Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. Many years ago, there was a young man named Bayana. Bayana, you may be seated, was an intern here at PCC through our community center in the church, and we were partnering with an organization called African Bible College. What you don't know is 20 years ago, um, he didn't know where he was going to be sent, and we didn't know where he was going to be sent. But what's wonderful, he was from Malawi, and he could have gone all over the world, but he chose to go back to his people, Malawi. And it's interesting, we at PCC have about 50 ministries uh, that stem from our campus, the traditional ones known as children's ministry, the ones you know. But we have about 25 that are kind of hidden. There's about 25 of them that include people like Bayana and some others that I'm going to introduce you in a moment that do work around the world, and we partner with them. Bayana went back to his people, and he became a voice of truth through an organization which he created called Wings of Hope. I always talk about in Malawi, which is in the country of Africa, we have two main ministries there. One is Bayana, which is uh, really, I say, air coverage, because on a daily basis, he's on the radio, he's in TV, and he's in print. And he is a voice. He, in many ways, I call him the Billy Graham of Malawi. That's giving him way too much credit, but I'm trying to help you understand that. When the country needs a good word, he's who they go to. Uh, when they're kind of combating corruption in the government, he's on TV talking about righteousness. We also have another organization uh, called Malawi Children's Mission. They're almost more like Samaritan's Purse of what Franklin Graham does. They help people on the ground, feed, nutrition, education, physical, emotional health. So you just need to know uh, that PCC is much wider and broader than what we just see on a Sunday morning. And we also have with us this morning the Satterbergs. Uh, Satterbergs, if you could stand right now so we could see you. Here they are, right here. Can we clap for them? Ken and, Ken and Adrian have been serving uh, in France for the last decade plus, and they help the vulnerable, the immigrant, the one who needs refuge from their country because there's persecution. And it's a tenuous and uh, challenging uh, ministry because they're trying to help people not get trafficked, not get taken advantage of, to find the right resources. So we just want to thank you. Uh, they've been vi- they're just visiting today. They've been on furlough in the U.S. for about a year. They're just about to go back, possibly for the last uh, three to five years in France. And so we're grateful for them. So would you open your word of God today to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19, and is going to read this for us, and I'm going to sneak a peek of what the Pew Bible, the page is 1217. As we hear this word today, may it touch you deeply, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word 
and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Amen. Thank you, Bayana. Peace to you. If you want to catch up with Bayana, he's here really for the next three weeks. If you want to catch up with the Saddlebergs, you better catch them because they're here just today. We've been in a series called Faith That Works. And what we're trying to do is learn from the brother Jesus James. We're trying to learn how to make our faith work in real life and then help others do the same. Isn't that a good thing? That's what we're about. If we're going to be a powerful movement of God, we've got to figure out how do we make this faith work in our life and then help others do the same. Today, uh, Jeremiah and I are going to share this message together. And kids, it's Kids Sunday. We got everybody in here today. It's beautiful. We got all the generations. But kids, here's what I need you to see, kids and students. I need you to ponder today what this mirror has to do with this message. I need you to ponder today what this plant has to do with this message. In a moment, I need you to ponder today why I would bring out a balloon. Now, I have no other magic tricks than this today, all right? But this mirror, this plant, and this balloon, I hope help all of us get this message deep within us. Because the words that you're going to hear today are familiar to many of you. This is a well-known passage in James, but I hope you hear them in a different, different light today. Remember week one of our series? It was all about trials. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Isn't it amazing you can say that with a smile on your face? Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. But we learned first week that trials actually help us be shaped and molded into Christlikeness if we persevere in them. And then last week, we learned that temptation is all around us, but it can be overcome. It's interesting to me, temptation and trials are what? Inevitable, aren't they? And they just show up. And we've had this statement, it's not a matter of if, but when. It's not a matter of few, but many. Not if, but when. Not few, but many. And we can say that, and we can kind of say it lighthearted, until I receive a text this week from a friend. My friend wrote to me, and he said this. This is what it said in the text. Not if, but when. Not a few, but many. More chemotherapy. Radiation on the horizon for me. Isn't that the reality of trials? Isn't that the reality? They do show up in real life. And, but we know this. We learned this the first two weeks. Relying on God and relying on others helps get us through those trials and temptations. But they can push us away from God. This week, it's interesting how James shifts the subject matter. We're at the end of chapter one, but he makes kind of a shift. And it's no longer about trials. It's no longer about temptations. But in some ways, you'll see by the end of the message it is. 
but he's focusing on the treatment of others. So here's what's great. By the end of chapter 1, as Christians and who are trying to make our faith work, you at least have the knowledge of it says, hey, here's how to handle trials. Here's how to handle temptations. And now, here's how you should treat one another. When it comes to the treatment of other, here's our big truth statement for today. We have a truth statement every week during the book of James, and it goes like this today. Right attitudes, kids, put your finger on your temple. Adults, show them how. Right attitudes and right actions, like we're banging a hammer, stem from accepting and looking intently into God's word. Right attitudes and right actions stem from looking stem from accepting and looking intently into God's word. That's our big truth today. And here's the problem. In James' times, just like our times, there was division in the, truth, in, in the church. So there was problems with attitude and actions. There was preferences in how they did things. Maybe it was worship. Maybe I did the tradition of the church. But there was problems with attitudes and actions. There was cultural ideologies, how people viewed things politically. Some thought this, some thought that. And guess what? That made it challenging when it came to attitudes and actions. And then there was just flat-out selfishness. Anybody, everybody raise your hand if you're selfish. Welcome to the club. And when we're selfish, we have a problem with attitude huh? and action. And let's jump in and see what it says on how to solve this. James, verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is about attitude. This, this is about attitude. I usually teach this for the last 25 years in the context of parents, parenting and families and marriage, but this is about the church and having the right attitude. James is writing to Jewish believers saying, you got to check your attitude, and it starts with this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Here's the bad news. It's for everyone, isn't it? That word matters. It's for everyone. We all have to check our attitude because it's not natural. I want my own way, and guess what? If I'm feeling it, I want to tell you. And in Western culture, that has become this extreme way of living, I tweet it, I text it, I post it, I do it all. And if I feel it, I should be able to say it. I would say that's not true. One of the key fruits of the Spirit, if God is working in us, is what? Self-control. Self-control. So this is, the bad news, this is for everyone, because we all need it. But here's the good news. God does not put the same word in the same sentence very often unless we really need it. Can anybody tell me what is the word, the same word that's in this sentence? What is it? Slow, thank you. That was a kid that answered first. Did you hear that? (laughs) That is why we need them in the room. Slow. Opposite of slow is quick or fast. All right? We've got to go slow. Because when we don't get slow, here's what it says, verse 20. Because human anger does not what? Produce The right attitude, righteousness. Remember, right attitudes and right actions, in essence, come from the Word of God and come from His power, but it does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I want you to think of anger as a huge wrecking ball. Ever experienced this in your house, in your work, in a meeting? 
this ball of anger just comes in and it just destroys and takes out everything in its path. It crushes all the love, all the joy, all the peace, all the patience. Can you hear me? I'm on the nine fruit of the Spirit. It can wipe out almost all of them. All of them. It's interesting when righteous anger shows up. You got to figure out how to handle righteous anger. But if righteous anger shows up in in an appropriate way, you know what it ushers in? It ushers in the fruit of the Spirit of goodness. Hey, 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 we need to stop. That's really not very appropriate. Goodness entered in right there. There's a right way, though, to say that. Sometimes we'll have righteous anger, and the problem is we say it in an unrighteous way because we are too quick with it, way too quick with it. I want you to realize how much unhealthy anger or unrighteous anger can actually lead to death. Have you experienced it in your own house? Have you experienced it in something you've said? How does your anger at times bring death versus life? We could probably all tell a story, couldn't we? I want you to see what anger looks like here, all right? Kids, make sure you're watching right now. You got to explain this to your parents. Why did the guy pull out a balloon when he talked about anger? Anger looks like this. It starts small, but then it grows, and it intensifies. Because if you start going quick and quicker, is anybody nervous now? Yeah, yeah. We're on the verge of destruction. All right? And here's the deal. If we don't handle this well and we keep going quick, it's going to happen. But here's reality. I want to give you three ways to handle anger right now. You got to slow it down. Some of us take this anger and here's what we try to do with it. We try to suppress it. And it's like that ball we put in the water. What does it do? It pops back up, okay? And then sometimes it just starts to squirt out in all kinds of crazy ways when we suppress it. But when you have anger, there's two things you got to do. You got to start confessing it. You got to start telling God about it. You got to take this thing for a walk. You got to talk it out. You can't stay in the moment. You need a time out. Because here's what's great. If you can confess it, it gets to this place where you can then express it to somebody well. Did you hear that? If you confess it enough and get it out in the right settings, then you can show up and confess it. Or you can get, show up and express it. Because it's manageable. It's manageable. So for example, I want to give you this right now. Everyone should try to start using a win statement. After you've gotten your anger out to God and walked it out, and then use a win statement to express it to somebody. A win statement is simple as this. Hey, when you showed up late, I just need you to know that was like the third time this week. I feel really not seen or cared about when you show up late. Next time, could you at least give me a heads up if you're going to be late? And could you try to stop this pattern? Isn't that a good way of saying that? That's called a win statement. Did you hear it? When you, I feel, next time, could you? 
Can you imagine if we got good at this? It would be amazing. It would be amazing. Imagine if your faith started to work in that way, where you let God in on that moment as you confessed, and then you were able to show up when you, I feel, next time. Imagine then you taught that to your aunt because she needs it. Imagine you taught that to your coworker because they're out of control. Imagine you talked to the neighbor over the fence just because they needed it too. Life-changing. Passing it on in that way. James goes on to say, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil. He's saying, confess it. Confess it. Get it out. Because it's so prevalent. And here's what he's saying. Instead, accept my way. Accept the word. Accept the word that's been planted in you. So it's interesting. We all have seeds of the word in us, don't we? We all have seeds of the word in us. They're in us. The question is, are we letting them flourish When the seed of self-control is in there, are we confessing the anger and the evil out so we can let the self-control work? Can we confess the judgment out so that we can let this flourish in our lives so we can get the good words out? So what James is trying to tell us is this. Will you humbly accept the word planted in you? The more you accept my ways, the slow ways, the more it'll save you in your relationships and there will be less destruction. I showed you an image last week of what happens with sin. What happens in a situation where we go too fast, we actually believe that we have the right to say whatever's on our mind. But in the end, it leads to death. It leads to death. And we need humility in our lives in order for us to let it grow in a different way. So here's a question for you. What holds you back from confessing the filth and evil that you feel and accepting the word of God in your life? Just take a moment in that, and then Jeremiah is going to take us to the next part of the passage. Thanks, Brian. Let's go back to the truth. I'll take a look at that. Right attitudes and actions stem from accepting and looking intently into God's word. Have you guys ever felt like you guys went through life or came to church and two hours later you thought about, what did the preacher speak about again? You know? Or perhaps students, perhaps you went to school and, and you, you got into the classroom, you got all settled, and afterwards two hours later when you're doing the homework, you're like, what did they teach about? You know? Like you totally forget what's going on. James chapter 1, verse 22, I'll go ahead and read it out for us. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's kind of hard to look at yourself in the mirror and not see the imperfections. It's kind of hard for us to forget when we have been spoken to about a certain subject and and really forget about it, but we do it. It's, It's human tendency. See, what James is trying to tell this group of people is that it's not bad to be a hearer. Absolutely not. It's it's vital to be a believer. But 
You need to be a doer of the word as well. It's just not enough to just receive the word of God, but you also need to be doers of the word. James isn't playing that down here. No, 100% not. In fact, he's telling us that we need to put the word to work. You see, during the ancient world, most people would hear teachers during that time. And once they would hear the teachers, they would then try to outwork what the teachers were trying to teach them. They were then called disciples. Translate that to nowadays, doers of the word. And that's what James is trying to communicate to the people. And that's exactly what I think God is trying to tell me. To be doers of the word. Receiving it just isn't enough. You see, there's a big mirror over here. I don't know if you guys know this. But um, if I look at it and I act as if I'm just waking up, right? I'm looking at it. I have an all right set of hair. I'm looking okay. Uh, a couple pimples here and there, but, you know, life, you know. <laughs> or chocolate stress, right? I think that's the main thing for pimples. Um, my mustache is looking a bit thicker, you know. I'm not going to shave that because I'm just going to look like I'm 12 years old again, right? So that's going to stay on. But wait a second. Um, I see some, some drool marks. Not right now. I'm just saying when I wake up, right? <laughs> I see some drool marks. Okay. Um, I see a giant scratch there from what my dog gave me when, I, when he was sleeping with us last night, okay? Well, it should be okay. I'm just going to tidy up and go off to work and go off to school. It's like the mirror is showing me my imperfections. What am I doing with that? I'm going to work with the drool face, with, with, with dry drool on my face. I'm going to school with, with dry drool on my face and with the with a scratch mark on my face. I'm not doing anything about it. That's what James is trying to communicate to us right now, is that sometimes we just look into the word of God. We receive it, we, we hear about it, but then we don't do anything with that information. I didn't do anything with the information the mirror gave me to clean myself up. And sometimes we look into the word and we see grace, we see about love, we hear about love, but we don't do anything with it. And he's trying to encourage us to say, work it out. Be doers of the word. This is what James said about being doers. But let me tell you what Jesus said about being doers. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When you both hear and do, that gives you a strong foundation so that you can then stand the inevitable storms of life. Let's go ahead and jump down to verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You see, there's, there's two words I want you to focus on when, when you read this passage. It's looks intently. Looking intently. What does that mean? To me, what that means is to look at the perfect law with eagerness. With, with that sense of, 
wow, astonishment even. To look at the law and what is the law? It's exactly what we've been going over the whole summer. Psalm 119 is the word of God. And with that comes so much. We look intently into the perfect law as we break it down. There's two things that come along with looking intently to the word of God. Number one is freedom. Perhaps you're here today sitting into church and you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm having problems with anxiety. I'm having problems with temptation, with, with depression. The word, looking intently into the word, gives you that freedom. The other thing is blessed. You will be blessed. Who doesn't want to be blessed? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't, don't raise your hand. We, we all want to be blessed. They'll be blessed in what you do, in the spheres that you're in, that you influence in your day-to-day lives. God wants to give that to you. You see, a couple years ago, when I was in Bible college in Australia, I used to lead this group of kids. And um, one of my boys invited a friend of his. His name was Tyrone. You see, Tyrone didn't come from the best upbringing um, he had the kind of bad friends during that time, and he had a broken situation at home, and he didn't care too much about school. And um, he started coming to church, and at first, oh man, he was, <laughs> he was a problem. I'd be preaching up on stage while he was in the back auditorium causing fights. I'd be like, Tyrone, calm down, you know, like just calling him out. And little by little, Tyrone started intently looking into the word of God. He started showing up to church more consistently. He started showing up to small group. And he would ask me questions. And it was, it was amazing. Questions like, did that dude really blind, uh, heal that blind guy from blindness by just putting mud on his face? I'm like, yeah, but there's, <laughs> there's, there's more to that. But yeah. Weeks would pass by, months even, and I started seeing his actions change. He started going away from the friends that he used to hang out with, the bad crew. His grades started to get better, and he started getting more and more involved with church. Eight months into me knowing Tyrone, I was able to baptize him in water, and he gave his life to Jesus. You see, it was... Him looking intently into the word of God that then changed his actions. I think we can learn a thing or two from Tyrone today, can't we? Is that if we look intently into the word of God, into all that he has for us, then we can experience that freedom. We can experience the blessings. But we need to make that change in our lives, that action. You see... God wants us to mirror the word of God into our present day reality, into our everyday life. And it's not possible to, we can clap for that. It's not possible to mirror the word of God to the world unless we, what? as it says in the text, humbly accept. Go back to 21. Humbly accept. There's four words we want to leave you with today. Humbly accept. Humbly accept. 
and looks intently. Will you say those with me? Humbly accept, looks intently. Remember, he starts off with saying, you got to have the right attitude. It won't happen unless you humbly accept the seed I've planted in you, the seeds of the Word of God. Then it will grow. And then he says, oh, no, make sure you do this. But that will not happen unless you look intently. Humbly accept, look intently. That leads to right action. That leads to right attitude. That takes us back to our true statement. Right attitudes and actions stem from accepting and looking intently into God's word. As we go today, I want you to hear the final words in chapter one that say the same thing in a different way. It's about attitude. It's about action. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight ring on their tongue deceive themselves, and the religion is worthless. He's saying the same thing. Get a hold of your tongue. That's a huge part of the walk with God. It's tied to your attitude. Go slow. Confess it to me. Get rid of that moral filth. Accept this word more and more. And then look what he says, 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. He's calling them to action. To look after the orphans and the widows. (laughs) This is us at our best, folks. This is when we care about those in Malawi, when we care about those in France. It's when we care about those... Hispanic brothers and sisters, especially during this month, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, where we get involved with places like Generations United that's really pouring into that portion of our community. This is when we just do it on our own and we don't need an agency or a person, where we're just asking God, what action do you want me to take in this situation I'm in? But look what he says, to look after the orphan widows and in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted from the world. As we go today, I want you to take the white card in front of you, and as Marty plays a little and the band comes up, I want you to write a prayer about this. Is your prayer more about humbly accepting the word of God? Maybe pride's in the way. Or is it more about, I just got to look more intently into the word of God? Which is it? Will you write a prayer? Kids, write a prayer to God asking that you would mirror the word to the world. Take a moment. I need you to do this for the sake of yourself, for a community in the world that needs our impact. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.